Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Give thyself a bell. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. You see? You see? You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me the respect that I'm entitled to? I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic echographic and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease. From the world famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios in beautiful downtown Tukey Tukey City. Bit my tongue on that one. It's not good. It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medicine provider who gives me street cred, the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And my wife, Tacey, uh, my partner in all things. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to a regular medical provider, if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHID. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at DRScottWM. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking it over. With your healthcare provider. All right, very good. Please don't forget stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all your shopping needs. You can just click right through to Amazon or you can scroll down and see all the stuff that we talk about on the show, including the Roadie uh, Robotic Tuner. Some great gifts for the holidays at roadie.drsteve.com or through that link, you can get the Roadie Coach, which will teach someone how to play their instrument. Or you can get uh, the Roadie Robotic Tuner. They've got one for guitar and one for bass, and they're very inexpensive for what you get. So I'm very impressed with them. Also, tweakedaudio.com. Don't know if we get anything from that anymore. But but I know the uh, code still works. You get 33% off. You know, we're not in this to make a living, so it's okay. I mean, you know, we it's nice to keep the... The um, lots on the the hosting paid for and stuff, but uh, so I'm not so worried whether Tweaked Audio is paying us, but the I am worried that our listeners get 33% off anything that they order from tweakedaudio.com, best earbuds on the 
uh, on the internet for the price and the best customer service anywhere. And Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. And uh, check us out at patreon.com, patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. Uh, I'm still working on my live stream studio. I can't get anything working in there. And I'm just having a hard time And because I want it to be... This shit with these cameras is really. I'm going to talk a little bit more about it later. Mm-hmm. But I, I bought a real, a, you know, premium camera for the live streaming studio. Can't get it to work. And I have emailed Opal Camera, and I went on Twitter and complained, and they said, "Oh, we'll get right back to you." Somebody did email me, but the advice they gave me didn't work. And uh, mm-hmm. so it's yeah. Um, anyway, so I and then I tried hooking up my DLSR. I've got a nice Canon T3i DLSR. Well, the software that Canon provides to turn it into a webcam, which would be, you know, 4K plus, uh, doesn't work with that particular camera. So Mm. everybody can kiss my ass who makes cameras. Thanks, Logitech, for three cameras. One of them works. So you can kiss my ass, too. And then uh, there's um, Cameo. I'll say fluid to your mama or whoever you want me to uh, for the holidays and very inexpensive cameo.com slash weird medicine. And um, uh, check out Dave Landau is doing it and Vinnie Paulino as well, or both on cameo now and um, using our um, uh, referral code. So, you know, what the hell? Give them a, give them a shot as well. And uh, I've had both of them do uh, cameos. They can't, By the way, let me just throw this out there. This is new. Cameo has a thing called collages. And so it's our son Beck's birthday. And I had Cardiff Electric, uh, Tukey, uh, Vinny uh, from the Creep Off, because he's Beck's all about the Dabbleverse stuff, and Dave Landau do uh, uh, cameos for him and they all come into this ca- collage thing and then you can send them a link to that and you can see all the and you can put um, you can put pictures on there and put your own mm. wishes and stuff Tacey I sent you the link and you can do that as well and uh, you know anybody can do that and it's really neat and then they've got this neat gift where it's a whole bunch of cameos or videos or and videos from people that they know so anyway you sent me a link on that I did yeah and oh. you said I don't know what to do and it's like well just click on it and you'll see you can do anything you can just write something hey Beck you know congrats on turning 20 or whatever 19 alright sounds okay. good okay, okay. cameo.com slash weird medicine Oh, and uh, Scott, we got an email from Adam Hucker. Yeah, Adam Hucker. And he has an apprentice yep, a that's young been man. working with him that is a fan of our show. Yeah, that he he, he uh, did not mention the kid's name, unfortunately, but we're glad he's a fan of our show. Yes. And evidently, Adam really likes us, too, because the kid evidently is a, an, an exceptional young man and works like hell for him. So, yeah, yeah, so, that's awesome. Adam, you're a lucky man. Yep, and thank you. <laughs> and thank you for being thank a, you a friend of our uh, Weird Medicine. And they listen to uh, philosophy stuff. I, I recommend that they listen to Alan Watts' Myth of Myself, which mm-hmm. I recommend anybody listen to if you're interested mm-hmm. at all in thinking about things a little bit differently yeah. than, than you do just going through your normal life, just yeah. walking and around. And read the Tao Te Ching. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. So thanks, okay. guys. Hey, thanks. Thank you. And I'm very distracted today because I um, mounted all of the cameras on booms to get them out of the way. 
and it was supposed to be awesome. And I bought these 16-foot cables that are USB-C on one end and USB-A on the other and a nice, expensive USB-A hub for it to plug everything in, and none of it worked. Oh, shoot. One, one camera works. So now I've ordered, you know, for fuck's sake, <laughs> you know, it just... You know, these are expensive cameras, too. Yep. And, um, you know, the the uh, computer was not cheap and everything is, you know, reasonably, you know, um, high class or high, not high class, but highfalutin. <laughs> highfalutin. Uh, and it doesn't work. So oh, now I'm going to have to use up all my USB-C uh, ports on my computer right. to run these stupid ass cameras because that's the only way that you can run them apparently if you run them through uh, anyway nobody cares but it <laughs> just pisses me off i goodness. knew there wasn't a reason to shower yet goodness yeah, right you are no one can see you we just Thank got one you. camera that works out of all of them the other one works but it works about one frame per second oh wow and then the third one doesn't work at all oh for goodness and they sakes. all worked fine before yeah 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 assholes <laughs> <laughs> Until somebody started messing with it. Anyway, if you want to watch us uh, do this abortion, it's um, uh, youtube.com slash at weird medicine. Usually uh, 1 o'clock on Saturday, but today 2 p.m. on Sunday. It just, you know, follow our Twitter feed at weird medicine, and that'll tell you when we're doing our thing. Anyway, all right. Very good. Uh, we did have a question from the Fluid family. It's, uh, it's from Dennis Dunn. It says, now good uh, doctors, is there a medical name for the explanation for people who dread the holidays and cheer once they're over and all the decorations are taken down? Yes, that's called Dr. Steve syndrome. <laughs> the Grinch syndrome. Happy holidays. Yeah, it just really is just um, your bah humbug, your Scrooge. But this made me think of uh, uh, something that I heard about, which is there are Christmas phobias. Oh, okay. There's one called cellophobia or celophobia, S-E-L-A phobia. Uh, it's a fear of flashing lights. And uh, these phobias sometimes develop through a negative association. And a person with celophobia may, for example, experience migraines or seizures from flashing light. That's not really a phobia if you have seizures from it. Mm. Or they may trigger traumatic memories from childhood or perhaps even military conflict. Then there's cisanophobia. Uh, it, this is a person with cisanophobia would prefer to take their chances uh, refusing a kiss between uh, beneath the mistletoe. Mm. This is a fear of kissing beneath mistletoe. Oh, my word. It's less likely to do with the mistletoe and more about being grabbed and kissed by a stranger. I don't know why anybody <laughs> would not like that. Unless, I mean, I guess. Unless they're weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then syngenesophobia. Syngenesophobia is called familiophobia, is re refers to a fear of relatives, hmm. which can include close families, such as siblings or more distant relations. Um, and then melagrisophobia is um, a phobia of turkeys, fear of turkeys. Hmm. Well, just don't cook turkey. Cook turkey for Thanksgiving. What are we doing? My turkey for Thanksgiving this year was amazing. It was. So what are we going to do for Christmas? Standing rib roast. There you go. That's right. <laughs> Excellent. Phonophobia. 
Uh, this is uh, an aversion to loud noises, and uh, some people absolutely fear them. This is also known as ligerophobia or sonophobia, is a fear of loud noises. And uh, this would be, uh, you know, if you're doing cracker pulls or you've got a whole bunch of people in your house, that might be, and this is a, might be a Christmas-related one. And uh, gabphobia, I, I don't know, G-H-A-B-H phobia, gabphobia. Why is that extra H in there? Hmm. Uh, it's a person with social anxiety who hates the attention placed on them once they receive a gift. Everyone stares at them as they unwrap their gift. This is followed by the need to smile, appear happy, and possibly answer questions. <laughs> oh, is the liver a muscle or an organ? I don't want to answer any questions today. <laughs> uh, answering questions. <laughs> Shut up. <clears throat> well, then this is, okay, you got to be careful how you pronounce this. It's P-H-A-G-O-phobia. It's Phagophobia, not what you were thinking, Dr. Scott. Mm. As everyone gathers around the table, the person with phagophobia starts feeling very nervous. It's a fear of eating or swallowing. Mm. Hmm. I was thinking phagocytosis. Well, right. That's where yeah, that comes from. That's what I figured. So P-H-A-G-E, uh, phage uh, is a Greek um, uh, sub prefix for eating. So hmm. phagocytosis would be eating a cell, cell yep. yeah, on one cell eating a different cell. Ooh. Okay, now this one I'm going to have trouble with. Christogeniaticophobia. Christogeniaticophobia. This is a Greek word, it looks like. A full-blown fear of Christmas itself. The phobia typically develops in early childhood, may overlap or include some of the phobias previously listed. Fear of Father Christmas or Sinterklaus is Santaphobia, parties, Symbosophobia, or Christmas rituals can all feed into the general phobia of the Christmas season. So that might be that might be what uh, Mr. Dunn is worried about. And then ecclesiophobia. Can you figure out what that might be? Ecclesiophobia. Nope. Yeah, it's someone who fears church. Oh, well, yeah. Could be fear of the yeah, church building it or what the church represents. Um, and then uh, let me see. Here's the last one is, oh, just hmm. no treatment for these phobias would be cognitive behavior therapy, hypnotherapy, and counseling. And, and lots of presents. Yeah, <laughs> if you give them a lot of presents, they'll start loving it again. Yeah, Unless they have that present phobia. Oh, right. yeah, that's they have right. Grab a phobia. Then you're just being mean. <laughs> With an extra H in then, you, then you're just rubbing it in, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, there you go. There's my there's my answer to uh, Dennis. So. Well, we forgot to talk about Scott's website. Good question. Well, about Scott's website. Oh, yeah. Did we forget to talk about yeah. Scott's website? Yeah, we went straight to the... The question, but that's okay, though. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah we uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. You're right. I did. I went straight to uh, talking about yeah, – I was so excited. You're so excited yeah. about your, answering that question. Your phobophobia, the yeah. fears of fears. You ever get any orders at simplyherbals.net? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I okay. do. All right. Are you still sending stupid tchotchkes out because I've got – some stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I have some I stickers that you can throw in with that. Yeah, that'd be great. Anything yeah. you've got would be got wonderful. A big pile of shit in here. That'd be fabulous. Thank you. Uh, I, will I have... need some of that. <clears throat> okay. Big pile of shit also. Okay. Yep. I'll give them to you. All righty. Sounds good. 
Uh, let's do let's do Tacy's time of topics. That sounds good to me. All right. It's Tacy's time of topics. A time for Tacy to discuss topics of the day. Not to be confused with Topic Time with Harrison Young, which is copyrighted by Harrison Young and Area 58 Public Access. And now, here's Tacy. Well, hello. Hello. Feel free to use the bathroom. Okay, um, okay <laughs> so I think <laughs> we've gone through this, some of these before, but it's been a long time. Well, so we're going to go through. I want to do the Frenchman one for sure. A few weird but real medical conditions. Okay. And the first one is called the Jerusalem sim- Syndrome. It occurs when a visit to the Holy Land triggers obsessive ideas about religion and even messianic delusions. Hmm. The hmm. condition can affect anyone regardless of religion. Of religion, Symptoms include compulsive cleaning and grooming, wearing white robes, white robes, and sermonizing. Sufferers without a pre-existing psychiatric condition typically return to normal within five to seven days, feel some shame, well, they and feel, recover oh. completely. Well, you know, what's funny is that it's not dissimilar to if you get in a wreck and you survive it and you go, oh, I'm going to change my life. I almost die. That literally lasts for five minutes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> that happened to me once. Yeah. Yeah, I got in a bad wreck, and I was like, oh, my God, you know, I almost died. I'm going to really change my the way I am. And nope. Still the <laughs> nope. same. Nope. Yep. Yep. Now, there are different types of Jerusalem syndrome. Did you know that? No, I did There's not. There's three types. Hmm. Okay. There's Jerusalem syndrome imposed on a previous psychotic illness. So that's someone who's psychotic Already, that yeah. goes and uh, becomes, you know, has messianic uh, um, delusions. Or whatever, yeah. And then um, type two is Jerusalem syndrome superimposed on and complicated by idiosyncratic ideas. This could be someone that um, has a, um, uh, you know, is eccentric or already has some sort of idiosyncratic beliefs. Mm-hmm. It's not really a psychotic thing. It's just uh, maybe an encapsulated psychosis. And then type three is Jerusalem syndrome as a discrete form, uncompounded by previous mental illness. So this would be someone that was previously, quote-unquote, normal, Mm -hmm. who went to uh, the Holy Land and then came back a messiah. Wow. Yeah. That's Mm. interesting. All right. Topic number two. Yes. Walking corpse syndrome. Ooh. Ooh. Otherwise known as Cotard syndrome. It is a neuropsychiatric disorder in which a person believes they are dead or missing their soul, organs, blood, or certain body parts. Can you imagine? That would be just horrendous. Yeah. Because this condition is so rare, it has been difficult to pinpoint the mechanisms that cause it. Huh. Do they say any more about it? No, just that patients can spontaneously experience a complete recovery, even in severe cases. Oh, really? It's incredible. I'm trying to find somebody uh, who might have that on YouTube, but no, it's just a bunch of people talking about it. Oh, here's a teaching interview. Okay. Major depressive episode with uh, congruent um, psychotic features. Now, nah, never mind. This isn't going to be any good. All right. I should have done a little bit of show prep on that mm, one. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Third topic. 
foreign accent syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when we were playing that game, Secret Hitler? Yes. And everybody was using a German accent? Yes. <laughs> it is kind of like that. Secret Hitler is a great game, by the way. Never heard of it. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's basically you have a bunch of people uh, who are trying to vie for control of this government and um, the one person is Hitler, but they have to act like they aren't. But they have to put forth certain um, uh, what like uh, policies before the uh, parliament, and they've got to get enough of those without anybody accusing them of being Hitler. Hmm. And um, it, the first time you play it, it's like I don't know about this game. And then by the about the third or fourth time, you have people standing up, screaming and pointing at people. They're Hitler. They're Hitler. Don't <laughs> don't uh, you know? Don't allow them to uh, to progress any further. And so it's fun. Yeah, I just like to pretend like I'm Hitler. Yeah, she did that game. the whole time. And mm-hmm. then when she really was, nobody guessed it. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. how funny! Yeah. yeah, foreign accent syndrome. Yeah. This rare condition causes people to develop a foreign accent. The disorder is caused by damage to a part of the brain associated with speech. Stroke is the most common cause, but trauma tumors and other neurological conditions, such as MS, may also cause patients to begin speaking with a different accent. So what it is, it's not really a a foreign accent, is it? It's just a different accent. Yeah, the accent usually isn't very good, it says, and native speakers can recognize that it's not authentic. Speech right. therapy may help, but symptoms can last for years or become permanent. Hmm. Here's a person. Uh, this is from CBS News. Rare syndrome makes Texas mom speak with foreign accent. Let's Mommy see. They always are asking me um, how my mom got that accent. Lisa Alamia. Oh, I'm not from England. Sorry. Is 100% Texas. People who don't know me, hey, where are you from? I'm from Rosenberg. Oh, where's, where's that? I'm like, we're here in Rosenberg. Oh, you're from here. How do you talk like that? So that's when the whole story comes up. Six months. Isn't that interesting? Now, you would know if she was phony baloney if she started saying things like in it and, uh, you know, oh, look at that bloke and stuff, mm-hmm. right? Or get in, get in. Or are you taking the piss because someone from Texas would never say that, mm-hmm. but someone from the UK would They'd with that pants. accent. So oh, if pants. she says, uh, right. Yeah, pants. Oh, oh, my cake is pants. <laughs> now, she said that, then you know she was phony. Hmm. Because because she has a foreign accent doesn't mean that she's going to speak a different dialect. Right. Right. Use that different words differently. So uh, I, I don't know, but um, that's really interesting. Okay. So she still sounds like a yep. – she uses Texas hillbilly language with an English accent. That's right. That's yeah. how you would know that it gotcha. was real. That makes sense. Okay. I'm with you now. That she wasn't watching the British baking show and just decided and that she's going to those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. The next one, jumping Frenchman of Maine. Okay. This condition is named after a group of French-Canadian lumberjacks who worked in northern Maine in the 1870s, also known as hyperplexia. Okay. It involves an extreme reaction to stimuli that causes uncontrollable jumps and startle-induced falls. Most people first experience symptoms right after birth, a condition referred to as stiff baby syndrome. The syndrome can often be effectively treated with benzodiazepines, a drug class used to treat anxiety. Mm. Yeah. There you go. It, it's got to be related to like fainting goats. Mm. 
Yeah, because fainting goats, like. when you startle them, they'll kind of jump and then they just faint. Thank you. That's a funny thing. Yeah. That's all it says Hyper- about it. It says, startle reaction is a natural occurrence. It's normal, rapid, involuntary response to sudden or unexpected stimulus. Uh, the uh, j- jumping Frenchmen of Maine were different. They uh, had they wondered if it was an extreme condition response to a particular situation, but it was first identified among these late 19th century uh, uh, people in Maine and Quebec among an isolated population of lumberjacks. So I just wonder if it was genetic. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Almost had to be, you'd think. It's a one group of culturally specific similar disorders called the startle matching syndromes. Huh. Well, there you go. What about that? Interesting. This next one sounds pretty cool. Um, Dr. Strangelove syndrome. This condition involves uncontrollable hand or limb movement. The okay. condition is also referred to as alien hand syndrome. From time to time, when the other hand is engaged, the effective hand may hop in and try to interfere with that hand to do something to counter it. Yeah, now, that, can you that imagine? happened in Dr. Strangelove. Um Hmm. That's crazy. AHS is usually the result of a tumor, stroke, or surgery yeah. that affects the corpus callosum. Right. That's the uh, group of nerves that connect the right side of the brain to the left side of the brain. And damage to the right hemisphere impacts the left hand and vice versa because one side of the brain controls movement of the body's opposite side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here I'm looking at an article uh, from, what is this, from... Procedures of Baylor University Medical Center. 77-year-old woman presented with a complaint of observing her left hand moving without her knowledge while watching television. It stroked her face and hair as if someone was controlling it. Creepy. Movements only last a half an hour, but on recovery, she had left hemiparesis. In other words, she had weakness on the left side. So it happened just for about a half hour, and then she it, she was um, paralyzed on that side. Mm-hmm. So it was probably a prodrome of a stroke. Right. And uh, But alien hand syndrome, yeah, well, a phenomenon in which one hand is not under the control of the mind. It is, but it's not under control of the integrated mind. So the, the other... Hemisphere is just doing stuff on its own. Do you remember that video they had years ago in Abnormal Psych that that they they showed some people that had terrible seizure disorders? Yeah, and they had cut the corpus yes. callosum, and they were they're showing the one gal that was going into her closet, and she thought she wanted to wear a red dress or whatever it is, but her every time she picked up side. her left hand, her left yeah, her left hand would be like nope, picking the, the blue dress up. Wow, isn't that yeah, crazy? and but then if she went with the or right or whichever side it was, I can't remember the other hand, yeah, yeah but the other hand would, would pick out the dress she was thinking, but the other side of her brain was trying to say no, this looks better on you. Yeah, and that's something. God, that's crazy. Yeah, if uh, there's all kinds of weird effects that can happen when you break those down because the left side of the brain is where language is. Mm-hmm. And the right side of the brain is mute, but it processes things, and it has other. You, it, it's like you, you can draw with the right side of the brain, and almost anybody can be a really good artist if you can learn to turn your left brain off. There's a there's a book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain. If anybody's hmm. interested, okay. I did that class, and it was cool. I drew. I can't draw, but I drew a photorealistic picture of my uh, right hand, left hand. But um, it was such a pain in the ass. I never wanted to do it again. But it was cool hmm. knowing that I could. But, but anyway, um, 
the uh, if so you can show a picture just to the right side of the brain, and because the eye is divided up that way too, so you can you can create a device that will show a picture only to the right side of the brain. Let's say it's a horse, mm-hmm. and then you ask the person what they saw, and they can't name it, mm. but. As soon as you show them pictures of a bunch of different things, they can pick out the picture of a horse. Wow. Yeah, it's really interesting. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Anyway. So that concludes Tacey's top oh, of topics. very good. That's Excellent. it. Those are the only ones you liked out of that out of Well, that list? I mean, I don't want to waste them all on one show. Oh, okay. Well, that's okay. We're just killing time. <laughs> <laughs> sure the listeners appreciate it. Yes. That. All right. Well, good thank stuff, you. Tacey. Yeah, good stuff, Good stuff, yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, let's take some uh, phone calls. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. All right. So, uh, yeah, there's a little backstory to this one. Hey, Dr. Steve. Hey. I just want to piggyback your little fight with Gino. and. Uh... Okay, really? So, yeah, he's talking about Gino Bisconti, who we've had on this show, and I've been on his show. We're fine. He, I guess, just got wound up because I showed a picture of my partner's um, COVID-19 test that was positive. And we were in the same room, like a size, this size for eight hours. Mm-hmm. And I just posted it. This, You know, don't post anything about COVID. No. Uh, because I posted on Twitter. I said, well, I guess we're going to see if this vaccine works. Well, what everybody knows, I took the vaccine, mm-hmm. the booster, and why I did it. Uh, Gino doesn't know any of that. And he just starts um, uh, sending me all these articles about why the mRNA vaccine is bad. And my stance has always been I'm not pro-mandate. I'm anti-mandate. It's not been approved by the by the FDA. And uh, but I I think it's a matter of choice for me because it took out an eighth of my lung before and I'm at old. I'm at extremely high risk of any upper respiratory virus. So for me, the benefit outweighs the risk. Uh, for other people, you got to talk to your healthcare provider about it and figure out what your risk is. And then you just decide. It's, uh, you know, I couldn't be more libertarian on this. And, but he doesn't know that. He doesn't listen to me. And so he just saw me do that. And it's like, uh, you know, he started just with the typical screed, you know, the anti mRNA vaccine screed, and that's fine. Uh, and uh, I just said, I don't know, Gino, I don't know what, you, what the hell you're talking about. Well, anyway, once he sobered up, we were fine. Hmm. He's like, hey, buddy, come back on my show anytime. So, but that's what he's talking about. Gotcha. Okay. And what what it was, what the thing that really set Gino off was there was an article in a in a, um, a a magazine or online site called the Epic Times, and I just made a joke saying, "Oh, that great medical journal, the Epic Times." So, I see you know. how you feel about the new uh, DNA contamination they're finding in the vaccine. Um, yeah, let me know your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. So I will. So what he's talking about is that the Epic Times had an article saying that they found um, uh, DNA uh, of uh, this monkey uh, DNA called SV40. And uh, 
the let me see if I can get the full claim. Okay, so um, on June eleventh, twenty twenty three, Epic Times republished an article by Joseph Mercola who is well-known in these circles about this stuff, which carried the headline, Monkey Virus DNA Found in COVID-19 Shots. Uh, The article claims that a group of scientists had found massive DNA contamination in the mRNA COVID-19 shots, including simian virus 40 uh, promoters. That SV40 has been linked to cancer in humans. The finding of DNA means the mRNA COVID shots may have the ability to alter the human genome. Okay, so this same article was republished. This is a preprint article, and uh, this is a study that's not been peer-reviewed. It's authored by McKiernan et al., and they're a group of scientists at a, a place called Medicinal Genomics. It's a company that offers nucleic acid sequencing services. In the preprint, they detected, they claimed that they detected DNA in the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, and in particular, a particular gene sequence originating from the simian virus, SV40. This is known as a promoter, which can enhance expression of a gene that is located after the promoter. And uh, they explain more about the about promoters. It doesn't matter. Uh, and that's the finding that forms the basis for the article's claims that COVID-19 mRNA vaccines could modify DNA and increase cancer risk. Uh, now, the, one of the most significant problems with this article is that the vials tested were of, quote, unquote, unknown provenance. In other words, the authors explain the vials have been sent to them anonymously in the mail without cold packs, but that the vials were unopened. Okay. Uh, so whether the virals, vials were actually um, mRNA vaccines or not is questionable, and they admit that in the original article. Uh, so, um, you know, the other thing about this SV40, it's known to cause cancer in certain animals like hamsters. Epidemiological studies don't find an elevated risk in cancer in people. Now, let me just give you the the nail. Well, that's not a nail in the coffin, but a very important piece of information. SV40 DNA was found in a polio vaccine long, long time ago. Uh, and a certain proportion was a polio vaccine administered between the 50s and the 60s were contaminated with the virus, the actual virus, not just the gene, the actual virus, SV40. And they followed these people. That was my generation that got the polio vaccine. Mm. I may have gotten this exact vaccine. Uh, They followed people over time, have not detected a higher risk of cancer in people who received the polio vaccine during that time period. So listen, that's the science. We'll see. Let's see when this article is actually printed. If it makes it through peer review and ends up in a journal, then people will be able to look at it and maybe reproduce it. But if it is true that this vial came to these these researchers, who they are a DNA sequencing lab, uh, and it, um, it can't be identified where it came from, well, that's easy. Just take – you can buy – Pfizer mRNA vaccine, you know, at any pharmacy. Right. And let's do the sequencing on that hmm. and yeah. see. Okay. You know, so I'm withholding judgment on this until I know that it really was off the shelf 
vaccine that anybody could have gotten. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, uh, listen, I have an open mind about this. I'm, uh, again, I'm not a, a mandate person. This stuff has not been, uh, um, you know, uh, approved by the FDA as approved on emergency use authorization. I think people need to use their own choice to do these like everything else. You know, my body, myself, I chose to do it because the risk for me of any virus, if, if they come out with a rhinovirus vaccine tomorrow, I will take it. Boom. Rhinovirus causes common cold. Right. I will take it because I am at risk of any respiratory virus mm-hmm. because of my stupid bronchiectasis. Yep. All right. That's why. All right, Gino, Jesus. <laughs> and I would, yeah, I will talk to him about it. But, you know, this this thing has been, this article in Epic Times been, been um, uh, has been shared on social media tens of thousands of times. Okay. And when the actual article hits the journals, if it ever does. Now, if it doesn't, because journals say, listen, this isn't quality research, you don't know where this file came from, then there will be a conspiracy, you know, that they're suppressing it. But this is a very simple study to do is just go buy. It's not like this stuff is hard to find. It's in every pharmacy in the United States. Pull some, mm-hmm. have provenance where you've got, it's, you know, the, you have to have signatures all the way down the line from the factory yes. to the truck, yep. to the distributor, to the pharmacy. And now you have people sign off on that vial when you get it from the pharmacy or the distributor. And then you do studies on it. Then we'll, then we'll see. Mm-hmm. And then it has to be reproduced yep. just to eliminate bias. It has to be reproduced by two or three different labs. When, and then, then, yeah, then we'll talk about it. What are the ramifications of that? Hmm. The good news is we have an example of SV40 in the vaccine uh, supply from the 1950s. And we've followed those people over time and there hasn't been an issue. Hmm. Do we want our vaccines contaminated no, no. with DNA and virus, you know, simian virus? No, hell no, we no. don't. No. But I, I, I don't understand where this would come from because the mRNA is made in a vat in a lab. It's mm-hmm. not made from pe- things, living things. Hmm. So anyway, we'll see. All right. So that's, 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 that's my take on this right now where we are is we need a whole lot more information. Okay. Okay. And hopefully the YouTube algorithm is smart enough that it understands that we're having a scientific discussion here and doesn't – it doesn't strike our channel like it did when we spoke about that other medication. Yes, that was bad. When we were just saying there are studies out there, where yep. there's 70 studies that people are looking at yeah. this stuff. So they're not idiots by thinking, well, maybe there's something there. Right. Good God. Mm-hmm. When did this become so polarizing? It's very sad. Yeah. It was extremely mishandled mm-hmm. for us to be worried about even being able to talk about this stuff. Yep. All right. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Went. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Dr. Steve, this is Bill in Texas. Hey, Bill. I got a question for you, and everyone told me to get with you because you have uh, accurate information on any diseases coming up. Okay. <laughs> President Eisenhower put out a message about this new uh, thing we need to get shots for called polio. Oh, that son of a bitch. Wondering what you know about it. I'll be waiting for you because I hear you reply in a timely manner. I'll be waiting by the radio. Appreciate it. You take care now. You know, people do not remember what it was like before we had the standard vaccines. You know, I was, I'm old enough to remember, and I've said this before on the show, you know, we had a whole classroom in my school uh, that had all the, the polio kids in it. Yep. You know, in wheelchairs and stuff. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Yeah. And one of my uh, classmates died from measles, so, you know, in kindergarten. So we were all happy to take vac- the vaccines at that time. Now, those were different types of vaccines. They were more standard, but still there were issues there, you know. Yep. The, there were uh, negative consequences to all of these things, mm-hmm. but the benefit far outweighed the risk. You know, so there you go. What are you going to do? There is a uh, super chat there, Mr. Uh, uh, Dr. Scott uh, from Cardiff Electric. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think I think I think we're a little too late. Why? Well, because Cardiff Electric evidently has sliced his femoral artery. Not real sure how he knows that. Okay, well, thank you for the super chat. Canadian six ninety nine, which is eighty four cents. U.S. Go ahead. So she would only read half of the. Yeah, no, no, you can read it. You can read it because he's a friend of the show. He sliced his femoral artery um, while I was slicing a bagel on his lap. What should he do? Long time first, you know, first caller loves the show. Wait, he, sh- he oh, he was slicing a bagel in his lap. <laughs> yep, yep. And he severed his femoral artery. Yeah, yeah, it's too late. Yeah, so sorry. It's too bad he he could have given us another uh, couple of those super chats. Yep, that's true. Well, when Dang you, it. I tell you what, Mr. Cardiff, when uh, when you go to <laughs> the emergency room, make sure you tell them. Get your hand off my penis! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. And um, yes, all uh, we we don't beg for super chats like some places do, but if we see one, uh, we all of those questions will get answered, we will do no it. matter yes. how ridiculous they yep. are. All right, very good. Lesson learned. Don't slice a bagel on your lap. Yeah, please don't do that. (laughs) Slice away from yourself. (laughs) (laughs) The image of trying to slice a bagel in someone's lap. Mm -hmm. He's lucky it was just his femoral artery. I'd rather go out that way than chopping my, you know. Johnson. Yeah, my jungle region. (laughs) Dr. Steve, Matt and Charleston, I have a question for you about smelling salts. Okay, smelling um, salts, yeah. What are they? What are they really doing? What benefit could they possibly be? Yeah. Specifically looking at the Juji Mufu smelling salts, this crazy I don't know what that uh, super is. Fit guy uh, selling smelling salts and a bunch of other stuff for fitness. Oh, for fitness. Okay, well now listen, the smelling salts that I'm aware of is uh, are ammonium salts. And they put them in, a, it just smells to high heaven. I mean, it's a oh, really yeah. obnoxious sharp, painful uh, odor. And so when you uh, when you crack the vial and you put it under someone's nose, it just gives them a really nasty, uh, noxious stimuli. Do you know anything about using smelling salts for fitness? What is this guy? No, I don't want to blow up. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to crap on anybody's brand name. No, 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 no. So do you know anything about this? No, and I was going to look it up. I couldn't understand what the brand name was, but well, I— 
the only time I've ever seen smelling salts used in for athletic performance were, were during boxing matches or yes. or football games when somebody gets knocked out cold. Um, but I would assume it being a stimulant, it would it would be some kind of a you know way to to stimulate the brain, stimulate energy. I don't know. But yeah, that's, I don't. I, if if anyone has ever tried those smelling salts, it's not something you would want to do. Yeah, normally smelling. So I'm looking at an article here, and they agree with us. It's a combination of ammonia, water, and ethanol, and the ethanol just makes it even more volatile. Right. And uh, it could also be a mixture of ammonium carbonate and perfume. But again, the perfume is going to be because it's got alcohol in it. Mm-hmm. And it makes it, uh, when you open it up, it's going to go into your nose more easily. And it irritates the nasal membranes and the lungs, causes them to breathe faster. Uh, some people use smelling salts to uh, counteract the impact of head trauma and get in the game sooner, do not do that. Do There's do a that. protocol for, for head trauma yes. now that we have to follow. Um, and uh, let me see here. Some I'm looking at, okay, research uh, from 2014 on athletes using smelling salts as a performance booster noted no positive effects from their use. This indicates smelling salts may offer a placebo effect. But there was another study that found that the use of ammonia inhalants did have a positive effect on peak force development on one strength test. And they think it's increased psychological arousal from the inhalant. So this might be someone that's uh, powerlifting and, uh, you know, they do the smelling salt and they can maybe do 10 more kilos than they normally would have been able to. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know... They don't know what the short or long-term side effects are. These things have been around forever, but mm-hmm. nobody knows what the shit they're doing with them. They just seem to uh, be annoying. Why don't they just anything. tase themselves as they want to get better? <laughs> yeah, like, that might work. As they're trying to run a, run a 100-yard dash, tasing yourself in the ass as you're running. Yeah, just to just, run away from just, it. Yeah, there you go. That might work. That might, that's our next invention. <laughs> <laughs> this says um, repeated use of smelling salts in this way can put them at risk for future injuries. Really? Why? While smelling salts have no recorded negative effects, the addictive use of them for a sports boost could be hazardous hmm. and open the door for future substance abuse. Well, I think it could it could do that just psychologically. Uh, you know, that I'm looking for some performance enhancer. Mm-hmm. But also, if uh, you are if you are um, using it and you get this psychological boost and you're lifting an extra 10 kilos, you may be opening yourself up to injury. So don't do that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, here we go. Well. Hey, Dr. Steve. This is Rob from Virginia. Hey, Rob. Expert to be exact. First, I want to say I love the roadie bass tuner. Oh, okay. I have nine bass guitars myself, and this thing is a champ when it comes to tuning all my basses quickly and accurately. Great recommendation. Love the product. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't realize this was going to be an ad. But, yeah, go to roadie.drsteve.com. You can see this thing. Or you can just go to stuff.drsteve.com and scroll down. Uh, the rob- the roadie tuner is incredible. It will tune Dr. Scott's mandolins mm-hmm. and also tune my basses. Mm-hmm. And it uh, you just pluck the string and it twists the knobs for you. It's really it's very cool. But anyway, I hope that they continue supporting you guys for oh, yeah, as well, long man. as possible. Thank you, my friend. So here's Thank my question: friend. Is there any truth to if you lose for every 35 pounds that you lose, you gain an extra inch in your penis? <laughs> 
Yes. The answer to that is a qualified yes. The uh, relationship is only linear for a part of that curve. Because if you think about it, if you weigh 1,000 pounds and then you lose 350 pounds, well, let's say 700 pounds, mm-hmm. you're not going to gain well, how many inches would that be? That'd be seven hundred. Yeah, seven, about seven. that'd be a lot. <laughs> anyway, well, wait a minute. A okay, thirty. It would be twenty inches. Yeah, you're not going to gain twenty. You're not going to have a twenty-inch penis at the end of that. Right. So uh, think of it this way: if you weigh a thousand pounds and you're at a negative, and then you have to get down into a range of around two seventy-five, three hundred, then for every thirty-five pounds you lose, you will gain an an inch of penis length until you get to around 150. And then after that, you're just going to become emaciated. So it is only linear for a short range of, um, of weights. But in that, it's pretty dang accurate. I remember double vasectomy um, Todd uh, lost 70 pounds and he measured two extra inches of of penis length, but it's because of you're losing the fat pad in the pubic area. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to test this my damn self because I just noticed I'm grotesquely, you know, blobby <laughs> and I'm going to lose. I have got to lose some weight. I've got to get my eating under control. And, uh, you know, I did Noom and I did so well on that. And then for some reason, I'm just like, well, I got this and just quit doing it. And that was stupid. But um, I am. I am more motivated these days because of my uh, psychotherapy and my uh, pharmacologic psychotherapy. I'm more motivated to do stuff. So uh, I'm going to be hopefully uh, testing that rule myself. So, but anyway, that's, yes, there, that is a relatively reasonable rule between that range of weights. All right. Cool. Dr. Steve. Yes. It's your old friend, Terry. Hey, Terry. A.K.A. the Boodmaster. The Boodmaster. I am. uh, He checks into our Patreon. Check us out on patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. Whenever we do a live stream, Terry will uh, jump in. I'm hoping everybody is well and came through Thanksgiving well. Yes, thank you. Oh, sorry. I want to talk, (laughs) get you to talk about. Um, It's something that I never knew anything about. My little sister. Okay. Um, was uh, brought to the emergency room and put in the hospital because she had lost the use of her left arm oh. and her left leg and almost entirely that of her right arm. Oh, my goodness. She, uh, but she still was clear and able to speak. Okay. Originally, they thought it was a stroke. Yeah. But um, wait, did, which arm did he say that she lost? Left arm, left leg, and right arm. Okay, which is that would be really weird odd, for a yeah. stroke to cross. And uh, now, if it is your left arm and left leg, you would very often, if it were a stroke, be still be able to speak. Mm-hmm. If it's on the right, then you're at risk of developing a speech disorder. Uh, called aphasia, and there's two kinds, Broca's and Wernicke's. And uh, because the speech center is on the left side of the brain, which controls the right side of the body. So let's see. Seven or eight MRIs later. Seven or eight. And apparently a spinal tap. Okay. Um, 
they believe it's spinal lesions. Spinal lesions. Like an MS. Never heard of spinal Yeah, it sounds like MS. Yeah. Um, and what I would do is give her steroids first. IVIGs. Yeah, and there's all, there's a, all kinds of stuff they yeah, can yeah. do to treat multiple sclerosis if that's what it is. Especially if it's acute onset like that. Yeah, and it has Steroid, very, yeah. um, uh, very typical sort of plaque-like lesions mm -hmm. in the, on your MRI. Lesions before? Um, I've tried to do some of my own research. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I think, Terry, th that's the likely thing just from what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And it can happen suddenly and it can be uh, progressive or it can remit. Relapse can, and remit. Yeah, and we have some people that just comes and goes and comes and goes and mm -hmm. it's uh, it never gets worse or it gets – if it does get worse, it gets worse very slowly. But let us know what they find out. Mm -hmm. There's some tests that they can do on the spinal fluid. There's a typical appearance on the MRI. And then you do some treatments and if she gets better, that kind of makes the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. so I, hope, I hope that uh, she gets better quick. All right. Terry's a good guy. Yeah, he's good. All right. Um, See. Yeah. Uh, hey, Dr. Steve, uh, I got uh, kind of a, a strange question. I, I, I guess it's relative considering the, <laughs> the tenor of your program. Yeah, thank um, you. Hence the I name. suffered from uh, a kidney stone uh, that was one of the worst things ever happened to me uh, in a long while. Um, and uh, it got to the point where the pain subsided and I could I could feel it. It was in the pipe ready to come out. Um but I noticed, uh, well, I put this delicately, um, I was self-pleasuring, and um, I, it seemed to me that um, the ejaculate yeah. had uh, been been stopped by, by something, and oh. uh, I'm assuming it was the stone. Wait a minute. He had a kidney stone and beat off while he had a kidney stone? Evidently. Holy crap. Now, yeah. that just shows you guys are really, different than women. Yeah, really wanted to get that done. Can, if you had a kidney stone, can you imagine, mm. you know, masturbating taste? Of course, maybe, no. he thought it, maybe he thought the ejaculate would flush it out. Yeah, maybe. Do uh, all things come through the same uh, pipe? Yep. Um, well, eventually. Eventually. Thank you uh, for... Your detailed uh, answer to this question, and uh, I do believe it all men and brothers as well. Oh yeah, very good. Um, Thank you. That's my that's my sign off on my email. Time long time. Credo che tutti gli uomini siano fratelli. It's Italian. It says I believe all men are brothers, except Gino when he's jerking my chain on the internet. <laughs> but anyway, yes. So. Uh, these things all do path, pass through a common pathway, which would be the urethra. So you would uh, predict a stone distal, in other words, on the other side of the bladder sphincter, where all of these things are mixed together. Because, uh, you know, uh, urine comes from the kidneys through the ureters, mm -hmm. which are tubes that go to the bladder, from the bladder to the urethra, mm -hmm. and out the end of the penis. Well... <clears throat> the um, skein's glands and the prostate and the seminal uh, vesicles, which, um, uh, uh, you know, produce. So you've got sperm, prostatic fluid, and fluid from the skein's glands. Or not skein's glands. Um, shit, the seminal vesicles. Seminal vesicles Sorry, yeah. that's the, the skein's girls. That's, yeah. a, that's the, uh, the skein's glands are prostate 
uh, analogs in women. Right. Sorry, sorry. So the seminal vesicles, the prostate, and the um, uh, the vas deferens all mixed together to produce semen. And there's two kinds of fluid: the sort of watery prostatic fluid, the more milky, you know. Mm, more, you know, velvety uh, seminal fluid. And then 2% of that is from the sperm uh, cells from the seminal, uh, from the uh, uh, vas deferens. So all of these things mixed together kind of in, um, uh, you know, a turbo mixer where they all uh, become one fluid and then are ejected through the, um, through the uh, uh, urethra. And you have to have proper fluid dynamics for that to happen mm-hmm. because if you don't if the if the fluid uh, would have less resistance going into the bladder it'll just go into the bladder instead of coming out the other penis right right so you have to have a nice tight sphincter uh, at the end of the bladder so that semen doesn't you know go backwards because yeah. you can't exit Im- only it's it, an exit only bell that's correct that's correct <laughs> and uh, so uh, yes, if you had a stone in the urethra that was big enough and below the prostate, correct? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right. That that would be implied by that. But you're you're right, Doctor mm-hmm. Scott. To uh, reiterate that, then yes, when you ejaculated, it could have been obstructed by that. But mm-hmm. you think at some point you would have had to pee that stone out, and mm-hmm. it would have been pretty quickly. And or you, and you would also have a lot of trouble. Peeing if the stone is there and is that large enough to block your yeah you know, your block the ejacula- yeah. ejaculation, but it just goes to show you. I mean, guys are just different because mm. they will um, masturbate even when they're suffering from kidney stones. And you know what? I, somebody asked me where that song comes from, and I got it off of YouTube. It's gone. It's nowhere to be found what? anywhere on the internet. I wonder if that guy had like a regular job or something and something happened. He scrubbed the internet. I can't find it anymore. So I'm glad I have it. What were you going to say? I was going to say, Loganfield's got a question for okay, us. Okay, well, we have one minute. Okay, um, have you heard of uh, castor oil in the belly button therapeutically? No. I've never heard of that. And the other part was, what's your opinion on... Therapeutically for what? It might make your uh, navel feel yeah, good. No, it just, it just all it says is therapeutically in a belly button. We'll have to, he can clarify because he's still in there. Well, Tacey, you're raising your hand. What, what did you find on that? Um, I just found that it's a TikTok trend. And um, proponents claim that applying oil to this area can improve many health concerns, as well as promoting weight loss and stress relief. Okay. Experts, however, say there is no scientific evidence to support these claims. Now, they're also... It's Ayurvedic is what I'm seeing. Okay. And uh, it's fine. Look, if you think it helps, it isn't going to hurt. Gonna hurt you it's not going to hurt anything. A dermatologist... Unless you're ignoring something. Important. ...says that oiling the belly button may help loosen up any crud, making the dirt easier to clean. Well, there you go. Now, that I absolutely agree. Mm-hmm. So, at the very least, you'll end up with a clean umbilicus. Umbilicus. Cha-cha-cha. Right. <laughs> it's called um, pachote. Yes. Putting castor oil in your belly button. Okay. Well, there's a name for it. Hmm. Uh, it says here uh, the Ayurvedic, uh, you know, uh, tradition feels that it relieves menstrual pain, improves sleep quality, gives you glowy skin. I believe that. Because it is connected to the uterus, this says. Well, that, that's not even wrong. That I mean, not even completely mm-hmm. wrong. 
uh, you have a thing called a urecus that goes down, and uh, it was the what it is is the um, it's a remnant from when you were in your mother's uh, your mother's uterus, and it's part of the oh you know rudimentary blood supply from when you had a uh, an umbilical cord. The claims just don't end. Um, yeah, no, they never do. It's fine. They're really easy to do double blind placebo controlled studies on these things, and nobody ever does because it's so goofy. And number one, nobody can make any money off of it. Castor oil's dirt cheap. It's 18 bucks, seven bucks at CVS, you know, but what is castor oil though? Do you know? No. Comes it, from it a come, castor seed. Yeah. Castor beans. Yeah. But, you know, what, what the hell is a castor bean? I'm looking it up on, I'm going to that excellent scientific journal, Wikipedia. <laughs> it's a vegetable oil pressed from castor beans. Mm, colorless, Pale yellow liquid with a distinct taste and color. Huh. Yeah, it's a well-known source of ricinoleic acid. Uh-oh. Is that like where ricin comes from? Ooh. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, punishment. So, oh, here we go. Since children commonly strongly dislike the taste of castor oil, some pa- parents punish their children with a dose of it. Physicians recommend against the practice because they did not want medicines associated with punishment. I agree with that. I remember when uh, uh, my um, previous, when my wife's kids, um, who I who I raised, uh, were in in middle school. I remember they were in uh, assembly, and I came there to pick them up, and I heard the gym teacher yell at them, "If y'all don't, if y'all ain't quiet." I'm going to assign you a 750-page book. And I was like, and, and I can do it, too. And I'm like, asshole, don't use reading as a punishment, you fucking tool. I can make y'all read 750-page book. Write a paper on Mm-hmm. Shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Heavy dose of castor oil could be used as a humiliating punishment for adults. Colonial officials used it in the British Raj to deal with uh, ugh, recalcitrant servants. Yuck. Look. The most famous use as punishment came in fascist Italy under Benito Mussolini. It was a favorite tool used by the black shirts to intimidate and humiliate their opponents. They were force-fed large quantities of castor oil so as to induce bouts of extreme diarrhea in the victims. Well, you know, they did that to No Filter Paul and Opie and Anthony, but they used uh, Fleet's Phosphosoda. Did you ever hear that bit? So uh, he was a guy, he was British. He did T-shirts for, for Jim Norton, I think. And, you know, he fancied himself to be, you know, a humorist and stuff. And they were like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. They put him in a diaper in the studio and set him on a, um, a kiddie pool and made him drink a three-ounce bottle of Fleet's Phosphosoda, which we used, used to use for uh, bowel prep. Right. And it just rumbles through your gut like a tsunami, emptying mm-hmm. you out. And uh, they put um, uh, Club Soda Kennedy, Kenny at the door and said, you can leave, go to the bathroom if you can get past Kenny. And of course, he, he didn't even try. No. And it was just horrendous, oh, the results. So anyway, all right, that's one. You might be able to still find that on YouTube if you look for No Filter Paul. Uh, uh, bowel prep, maybe. 
All right. All right. We got anything else? No, nope. Crystal Williams became. Oh, welcome to the Fluid Family. Yeah, Crystal that's Williams. That's yeah, thank yep. you. And Logan Field. Yeah, thank you for the uh, super chat, my friend. You didn't have to do that. Uh, we don't beg for super chats. I'm just telling you, but we'll answer any super chats that are out there. All right. Okay, well, let's wrap this thing up. You about ready to get out of here? We'll do yeah. it. All right. Well, uh, thank you to um, everyone who's made this show happen over the years. Thanks, Dr. Scott. Thanks, Tacey. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. Many thanks to our listeners. News voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website, drsteve.com, for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks Goodbye, everyone. Mm, goodbye. Goodbye. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>